This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Good evening, dear friends, and welcome to the wine situation. Where the situation is that, especially now, we're all at home drinking alone. We're not even supposed to, um, at least in Los Angeles, we're not even, they, the, even the outdoor dining is, is out. We're not even starting Monday supposed to have any sort of contact with people we don't live with. Um, so that's special. So people are going to be doing a lot more. <laughs> if they weren't already drinking alone, they're going to be doing more. And the purpose of the wine situation is for I, L. Clifford, to amuse you, educate you, and uh, be your friend. Uh, that's probably what, what I'm best good for. I don't know. I try. Uh, who am I? Why am I qualified to do this well? I um, I uh, t- took my last uh, wine and spirit educational trust diploma test recently, so there's that. I am a certified sommelier with the Court of Master Sommeliers, although they're controversial. Uh, I mean that seriously, even though I said it uh, in, in a mocking way. Um, I write for Delectable. I am now published in Venice, V-I-N-O-U-S, so I, I know a few things. So what we do here in the wine situation is Hopefully you've got something that you're cracking open. I don't care what it is. It could be any kind of tasty beverage. Do you know how my pandemic person and I are both really into flavored beverages, not just wine? So between my wine, my Gatorade, my monster drinks, um, and occasional ginger ale and cranberry juice, we've also got like chocolate oat milk, chocolate soy milk, some kind of beet concoction, beers, it's and then you know if you could drink condiments we we got a lot of that too it's so many liquids in my fridge okay sorry that was okay so what that was was already a tangent as i was going to say we have segments and we have tangents on the show i also sometimes talk about gothy things and i uh talk about women in wine or rather i try and feature wines made by women Okay, cool. We're not even three minutes in, and I feel like I already accomplished so much. How are you doing? Do not do not hesitate to reach out uh, on the Instagram. I'm there as Ellen Clifford, or The Wine Situation. Uh, if you're listening to this, you know, if, if you got my text message, just, like, text me and be like, Hi, this is how I am. You know what? I told my friend the other day, she was complaining about how now that she's not in an office, she doesn't have, like... You know, she can't go vent to the co-worker she knows um, feels the same way as her about issues. And I was like, let me be your virtual uh, work wife if, if you need to. If you need to blow off steam in the middle of the day, just like call me and vent. What else can I do? Uh, probably not much as far as her work is concerned, but I can always be here to listen to you vent. Okay. Wow. Okay. We're just killing time today, which is good because this is a jam-packed episode. There's so much to get through. Uh, So let's have an agenda, shall we? We shall. So we are going to have another game that is a game of who, what, when, where, why. Wine, the bones upon which the vegetarian, let's call it, um, uh, eggs cooked on top of seasoned curly fries uh, with a side of 
slices of white cheddar um, vegetarian protein that, that hangs on the bones. That was such a, seg a tangent on a segment. Um, anyway, so what happens is I drop clues in the who, what, when, where, why uh, type, and you have to guess what wine. In this week's case, it's a wine producer uh, who I'm talking about. We'll have that throughout the podcast. We're going to have a very quick on the food side to check in about Thanksgiving shenanigans. We are going to get into a woman-made wine favored by a very important woman. We're going to have a happy cocktail hour, which is also Thanksgiving adjacent. Did I record this podcast too late? Should I have done it before Thanksgiving? Nah, I think it's like cool. It's kind of like, you know, people like to watch after shows now. Consider this show, this episode is your Thanksgiving after show. Oh my God, I got to write that down so I can make that uh, the title. Hang on. Okay, I'm back. God, I love being able to pause myself. You probably wish I did it more, perhaps. Okay, so we're going to have the, the woman made wine. We're having the cocktail hour, happy cocktail hour. And then, you know, we'll tell you what the who, what, when, where, why wine was. And we will go upon our merry ways, hopefully lightened in soul and uh, still enjoying our tasty beverage. Okay, cool. Only like five minutes in and we already are ready for our who which some of you wine people are going to get immediately and you're going to be like, L, L Clifford. That was way too easy. Uh, but our who is the godfather of biodynamic wine. That's right, the godfather of biodynamic wine. Not the godfather, he probably drank entirely different wine. Okay, uh, it's time for on the food side. My pun for on the flip side, which I explain every time which probably means I need to change it, but will I never? Because I am sometimes stubborn. I, you know, it's a personal problem. I should work on it, but uh, I'm gonna stick with on the food side. So I wanted to talk about my Thanksgiving. I know Thanksgiving was incredibly different for everyone this year. For the last several Thanksgivings, except for maybe one when I was at my family's house, I, did a Thanksgiving with my friend Scheherazade, who you've heard on the podcast before, by the way, because um, she's an amazing chef. Look for the delightful table on uh, Instagram. You can see her her cooking mischievery. I don't know why I called it mischievery. She makes amazing food. Anyway, um, and I, you know, for me, planning the wines for the dinner was always very important. I don't, didn't, I, usually I want to start off with something like a Riesling, something a little low, low, low ABV, because uh, it's going to be a long night. I just, uh, in my Venice article, I was recommending Chenin, uh, Chenin Blanc pairs well. Uh, I usually would have like maybe a Zinfandel of some type, probably a rosé in there. But then like, the food side, <laughs> the segment is on the food side, I had my specialties. The biggest of which was pie. Uh, apple cranberry streusel is the pinnacle of my pie efforts. I usually would make a pumpkin too. I love to make a bourbon cranberry sauce. I sometimes make deviled eggs. I love deviled eggs. My god, I haven't had one in a minute. They're so good, uh, especially when I make them. And when I have like a, a little not every year, but I try and make time to make cornbread stuffing muffins, which are just a labor of love because you got to make the cornbread and then there's the bread part and then you got to saute leeks and stuff and then you got to mix it all together with eggs and you got to bake it in muffin tins and they each weigh about a pound each, but they're so good. And this year I was like, gosh, I my, my pandemic person and I are maybe going to go visit his family uh, 
but not for like a for formal dinner. We're just going to pop by and say hi carefully because nobody needs to be getting COVID, especially his family. Uh, and they don't even drink, so I'm not even planning wines. Cause, and all my friends are like, Ellen, are you at least making pie? And even on my family's Zoom, they're like, are you at least making pie? And I told myself the night before, I was like, you know what? Trying to pretend this is a normal Thanksgiving is going to feel more sad than if I do something completely different. So I decided to plan nothing and, you know, do as, as the day told me to do um, on Thanksgiving, which ended up being around, well, I'll tell you about the beverages later on the happy cocktail hour, but, um, you know, around 10 o'clock at night, I said, yeah, there's cream cheese in my fridge and I am in the mood for red velvet cake, but I don't even want to be that traditional. So I made a blue velvet cake to eat on Thanksgiving. <laughs> By the time it was done, it was probably one in the morning, but it was worth it. And did I miss pie? Yeah, but I'm hoping I'm, I, I, if, if we can't be with our families on Christmas Day, I'm still going to make pie then. Because, see, my family, we usually make all the Thanksgiving foods as our Christmas dinner, too. Maybe plus some ham. I don't know. Anyway, my on-the-food side was to talk up the merits of blue velvet cake. Or velvet cake of any color, really. Uh, love the gothiness of red velvet. But it's fun because when you buy the food color, it comes with like all the colors in the pack. It's hard to just buy... Maybe these days you can get an a la carte more, but I was like, oh, I got blue food coloring. Let's do that. And now I, I use this cookbook called Dessert for Two, so it makes like a six-inch, uh, supposed to be a two-layer cake, but I ended up cutting them into three. Uh, it's a petite cake, and so I have a slice or two, and then I slice up the rest and put it in the freezer for future times, although I may or may not have already like defrosted one <laughs> just you guys it's like uh 10:37 on saturday night and i've already had at least two maybe three pieces of that cake we'll see how long it lasts anyway uh i want to hear what you made for thanksgiving if you went traditional if you did something new hit me up and tell me cool let's have another clue shall we as you recall your who was the godfather of biodynamic wine your what, your what is, oh, speaking of Chenin Blanc, dry Chenin Blanc, because that's what they make there, and that's what this winemaker makes. Okay, it's time to introduce the wine. Um, as I explain why I got it, I'll come on a field trip to my refrigerator, my poor jam-packed with so many beverages and so many condiments fridge. I'm going to pull out this bubbly wine. Oh, we also have, oh my gosh, you guys, we also have sake and heavy whipping cream. I don't know if that counts. And almond milk. I don't know if those count as beverages, but I say they do. Okay. Um, so I uh, am working on an article for Delectable about the wines that VP-elect Kamala Harris enjoys, because Apparently every other Canada this year doesn't drink wine, but she does. And apparently she's such a big fan of them that she's a member at a California winery. So I'd ordered a, a whole bunch of these wines um, from Rockwall Wine Company and also came to find out that they have a woman winemaker. So I was like, my God, this is the perfect wine Oh, to be having on the podcast. It's a woman-made wine appreciated by a woman. 
Oh, okay. Now I'm trying to open this sparkling, and it's gosh, it's 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 giving me some resistance. Let's hope this let's hope this works out, guys. Okay, ready for me? Oh, get out of that cork. There we go. So, which rock wall wine am I opening for this podcast? I decided to go with because I probably had a sparkling red, but I don't know. I haven't checked when I last did. This is the Rockwall Wine Company Zinfandel Sparkling Wine from Lake County. Ooh, it is a delightful color of red. Now, before I taste this, I'm going to, you know, give you a little rundown on the winery and why we care about it. Let's let's learn about the winemaker, shall we? We shall. So Shauna Rosenblum is the winemaker. Uh, let's see. She learned to make wine from her epic father, Kent Rosenblum. Epic, oh my. Shauna literally grew up in the cellar and spent her childhood in wineries and vineyards where she worked and learned all the facets, faucets, facets, I don't know why I'm pronouncing it all these different ways, of the winemaking business. Shauna has a master's degree in sculpture, that's different, from the San Francisco Art Institute. As an undergraduate at California College of Arts and Crafts, she became very interested in chemistry you guys, chemistry is important to know about if you want to make wine. Um, through the ceramics glaze making process. Wow, what a, what a tangled web she weaves. Except it's not a tangled web. It's like a cool sculpture with a glaze. <laughs> she realized there were similarities in the ceramics and the winemaking processes as far as chemistry and blending. This realization led to an epiphany that winemaking was art. I feel like if she grew up at a winery, she probably already kind of knew that, but maybe that really, you know, connected the dots. <clears throat> Let's go on about Shauna. I'm getting this all off their website, by the way, guys. So I assume they're telling me the truth. Um, okay. Shauna became enamored with learning everything she didn't know all about winemaking and immersed herself in learning about wines from around the world. In this pursuit, Shauna also completed the master's executive winemaking program. Wow, that sounds authoritative, at UC Davis. Her passion for winemaking started with big, juicy Zinfandels and has spread far and wide. She loves making sparkling wine, old favorites like Chardonnay and Cab, but more esoteric varieties like Fiano. Ooh, I've tasted their Fiano already, guys. It's good. And Teroldego. Let's see. Okay. Um, what else do I want to tell you about the winery? Oh, let's find out why they're named what they are. They say, under our story. The etymology of our name, Rockwell Wine Company, is located on the former Alameda Naval Air Base, which was decommissioned in 1997 and turned over to the community and is slowly being converted to civilian use. The name Rockwall refers to the defensive perimeter wall built during the World War II in the San Francisco Bay to protect the base from Japanese air to sea tor uh, torpedoes. All military installations on the West Coast created similar protective barriers. I'm like trying, I'm like interpretive dancing this as I read it to you guys, by the way. Maybe I should start doing this uh, in video. You should see how I gesture to mean barrier. Okay. Um, this wall is visible from our facility as well as elsewhere on the base. The wall has also been a popular fishing location for local anglers looking for striped base. Oh, okay. Good. Solid. Um, okay. Ideally situated in Alameda, California, the winery boasts spectacular views of the San Francisco skyline, and more importantly, its a locale allows the winemaking team to be regionally centralized. Ooh. That's, that gives me pause. Um, in, like, a good way. It seems like an oxymoron, but is it? I 
don't know. Um, I have to think about it more, and you don't need to hear me think, because that would be probably kind of boring. Okay. Um, ensuring that whether Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley, Zinfandel from Sonoma County, Petit Syrah from Contra Costa County, or Chardonnay from the Santa Lucia Highlands, the winemaking team is able to handle the fruit as soon after, as soon after it is picked. Uh, let's see, la 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 la, housed in that hangar, they take their name from the wall, uh, oh, and then this is cool, they consider themselves an urban winery that services the East Bay, so that's cool, urban winery, they get the grapes from all over, and they're making wine art, what's not to like? So what's going to happen now is this delicious looking, I haven't even smelled it yet, so let's hope it's not corked. I don't know why I'm so suspicious today. Um, this glass of sparkling Zinfandel, I'm going to cheers you, I'm going to take a sip, we're going to get another clue, then we're going to play the game that's uh, not a game, what's in the glass, where I tell you what I'm smelling and seeing and tasting, and then we'll like see what the winemaker's notes are, and if mine agree, because <laughs> it's like a challenge to myself, and then we'll get on with it. I've probably babbled long enough. You guys, whatever you're drinking, I don't care if it's kombucha, although secretly I'm sad if it's kombucha, because <laughs> I hate kombucha. Um, I don't care if it's a smoothie. Really, just you do you, but you know, if you have a glass of wine, that's cool too. I'm going to cheers you. That was like really aggressive sounding. Guys, cheers. Mm, smells good. Oh, baby. That is like, that's pretty much exactly what I want out of a sparkling red wine, which, I mean, I've had a lot of different ones, but this is, this is, <laughs> this is great. Oh. oh, and I'm drinking it out of, I'm out of Zalto again, even though Grozzle is growing on me. I felt like I wanted to drink this one. I know I said I thought my Riedel Syrah glasses were the best for sparkling wine, but for some reason today, the elegance of the stem and shape of the Zalto uh, universal glass was what was calling my name. I have so much glassware, guys. I even have beer mugs now, and starting tomorrow I'm going to have like some cognac glasses. I'll tell you about that more later. Anyway, let's have another clue before we get into tasting notes. <laughs> so we had our who, which is the godfather of biodynamic wine. We had our what, which is dry Chenin Blanc. Um, now we have our win, which, ah, I found differing sources. Some said 1981, some said 1982, which is when they first made a fully biodynamic wine. I wonder if that's because it was the 1981 vintage, but it was first released in 1982, so maybe that's why I'm getting the two different years. Anyway, your win is either 81 or 82, uh, when they first made their biodynamic wine, at least in, um, well, uh, you'll get your wear in a minute. Okay, it's time to play. What's in the glass? So we start with what we see, which is a somewhat translucent, rather ruby, uh, sparkling wine. It's got a nice, like, rim of bubbles around the perimeter. Oh, I wonder if they tell me more about the winemaking on the back, because it occurs to me, I think this is traditional method, but I'm not sure. Do they tell me? Uh, on the back they say, do you like Zinfandel? Great, then you'll love a Zin that sparkles. 
His elegant sparkling Zinfandel saw two patient years in barrel aging before we effervesced it with some bubbles. Well, they didn't say how. I mean, I don't care if they carbonated this. It's tasty. <laughs> um, okay, so I see bubbles around the rim. I'm guessing maybe this was tank method or I'm, I'm not sure. I'll email them and find out maybe. Um, so now we smell it and it's very, very, very fruit forward and like a little, not herbal, but like cola or something. Um, almost a flower. <laughs> I'm so articulate. So I get like cranberries and, oh, this smells like red currant jam and cherry preserves mixed together and spread on rye toast. Hmm. Yeah. Like the rye toast, it's not like the super pungent rye, just like slightly rye. A little bit of blueberry. It's very berry-y. Um, I mean, if I run through, let's see, flowers, herbs, vegetables, uh, other um, spices. Not getting particularly, well, almost a licorice thing. Almost an anise thing. I'm not exactly sure what that is I'm getting, but it smells really good. Let's put it on the palate and get some structure going. Hmm. It's dry. Acid's medium. Um, alcohol. I'm gonna put the alcohol so it feels medium. I'm getting a little bit of burn. I'm going to say it's 13, but I'm also tempted to say 12.5, but I think that's probably too low. Um, oh, 11.5. <laughs> oh, bullshit. I should have gone with my 12.5 initial uh, thought. Ugh. I wonder if I were blinding this if I didn't know this was like Zinfandel from California, which tends to be pretty high alcohol. If I would have thought it was lower, I don't know. Um, so the body is plush. Those bubbles, they're, they're like plush and friendly, somewhat fleeting, like they don't stick around too long, but they add like that right amount of burbulliness that cuts through, like there are tannins on this. You definitely get tannins. Tannins, I'm even gonna put it medium plus, but they're super ripe and plush. Mm. And the bubbles feel so soft that it, if you don't think I'm looking to see where I feel tannins, like you don't get them. I get more dark fruit on the palette, like maybe there's some black currant in there and a blackberry or two. Um, still that kind of like hint of something licorice-y or anise -y. Still like a hint of cola and very tart, like more cranberry. Cranberry juice for sure. What a fun concoction, like, if this wine were a cocktail, which, I mean, it's already alcohol, I don't know why we need to make a cocktail, <laughs> uh, it would be made with, there'd be, like, just a hint of absinthe, like, someone would have, like, used an atomizer to spray absinthe in it, and then there'd be, like, cranberry juice, and there'd be some chinar or something, that's an artichoke liqueur. I don't know why I'm trying to turn this wine into a cocktail, we're going to talk about cocktails later. Anyway, um... Let's talk about the finish. Mm. I will put it solidly 
at medium. Um, now I'm going to like look at the front, mid, and back palette because I'm discovering. Sometimes thinking about it that way actually makes me like discover things. Let's try. Hmm. Ooh. Up front, you get a little more herbal, and you actually do get some kind of whetstone. Mid palette, I'm getting more of like the red fruit range. Mm. Oh my. <coughs> and a little bit of flower, like like a violet maybe. Hmm. And the back palette, I almost get like that's where I get more of the sour notes. I get like a little balsamic going on. Wild. So th that was my uh what's in the glass for you. I'm curious what the winemaker says about this. Hold on. Okay, this elegant sparkling Zinfandel saw two patient years of barrel aging, aromas of blackberry, sarsaparilla. I've never, I think that's like a root beer kind of, maybe that's what was making me think anise. Mm. And sage, huh, sage, followed by the charming flavors of blueberry, got that strawberry rhubarb pie, I've literally never eaten one of those in my life, but I believe it, they're tart. And rose petal with a cranberry finish. Oh, yeah, there we go with the, the cranberries. Hmm. I don't taste rose so much as more like, maybe it's because I'm already thinking about anise, so now I'm thinking about those candies called pastille, um, and they're like a little anise um, inside like a violet candy, and they're so good. And they always make me, um, that's like the flavor you get in a lot of gamay. Anyway, you guys, this is totally fun, good, tasty wine. I like to imagine that Kamala's at home enjoying a glass of this. You know, I hope she's to toasting the hell out of herself because she's the first, oh, the first woman vice president, uh, first woman of color. Well, I mean, she's just the first everything. It's so cool. <laughs> Clearly, I'm still not over the election. It was just such a relief, guys. Whew. Oh, oh, wait. Let's see if the tasting notes on the back of the... No, the tasting notes on the back. Um... Oh, they're almost the same as the ones I read off the website. Uh... But it says, Aromas of blackberry, sarsaparilla, and sage lead the pack, followed by charming flavors of blueberry, strawberry, rhubarb pie, rose petal, cranberry, and a finish reminiscent of the iron-rich soil in which it was grown. Well, okay then, don't mind if I do. Um, should we get another clue? Let's do it. Your who was the godfather of biodynamic wine. Your what is dry Chenin Blanc. Your when is 1981 or 1982. Uh, not sure, haven't had time, I just, drafted this tonight haven't had time to like contact the winery and find out <clears throat> uh now we move on to your where which is this is the monopole of this winemaker we talked about monopoles a couple of weeks ago when i talked about albert bichot um your where is coulee de Saron. that's spelled c-o-u-l-e with the accent uh signal symbol over it um e space de space s-e-r-r-a-n-t now as i said it's a monopole coulee de Saron, which is a subregion of seven year which is a subregion of anjou semeux 
which is the subregion of Loire, which is a region in France. It's so funny. Like, I'm so used to just being like, oh, yeah, Calais de Saron. I know exactly what that means, and I forget sometimes until I'm like, feel like I have to keep getting more and more specific, or actually more and more broad. Uh, because I feel like people know French wine, and then, like, if they know a little something, maybe they know the Loire. I feel like after Loire, people rarely, except for like Vivray and Chinon um, and Sancerre, they don't know the subregion. Uh, Sauvignere is known for its dry Chinons. I love Sauvignere, oh, which explains, I, I've had this wine once, this winemaker's work once. Was, my God, Jesus. Um, okay, let's move on uh, to, the, the, those are your clues for now, sweet babies. Hopefully you have come up with something. <clears throat> So, okay, I, the, once again, I, as I'm telling you, this is like a post-Thanksgiving like recap uh, because I, I didn't want to be traditional, so I didn't really plan wines, and I didn't take wine to, to pandemic person's family because they don't really drink. But then, as a joke, he, um, with his cousin, I don't know, he brought some manischewitz. <laughs> uh, so I actually never had Manischewitz. They're not Jewish, I don't think. I'm not sure why that's a joke, but it was a joke. Um, it's a super sweet Concord grape juice, basically, but it happens to be alcoholic. And I was like, no, 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 this wine calls for ice. But then I saw midway through the night uh, some Sprite hanging around, and I was like, hey, like calamo that like with bad red wine, what I say is you put Coca-Cola in it, you make a calamocho. So I was like, oh, let's try this with Sprite. You know what, Manischewitz with Sprite on ice? Probably don't drink too much of it because it's just like a sugar bomb with a little bit of alcohol to boot, but it was a good way to start. And it, this is not the cocktail, though, that I wanted to tell you about because later on in the evening, to go along with Blue Velvet Cake, I decided to make a cocktail. Now, I first invented this cocktail for a Friendsgiving. My friend Alice and I used to throw pie parties that's another story. Maybe I'll tell it on the food side in the future. Oh, I need to make a note of that. So in some of my notes of it, I was calling it Friendsgiving, but in my other notes about it, I called it the Big Red Cat, because A, it's a red cocktail, and B, it was one of the first cocktails I created all on my own. So um, I was thinking, you know, my last name's Clifford, like the Big Red Dog, but I'm more of a cat person, so I was like, I'll call it the Big Red Cat. Now, I don't really remember creating this, but I'm guessing it probably started as me trying to riff on the old pal. Now, this is just like subregions of France. Compare it like cocktail riffs are kind of like, kind of like getting into regions. Um, so, uh, the big red cat. What's in it? Oh, wait, I was going to tell you. Um, sorry, I had I paused for a moment because there's weird buzzing noises coming from my bathroom. And I don't know what they are, and I apologize if you hear them. Um, so the old pal is uh, rye or whiskey of some type, but probably mostly rye, Campari, and dry vermouth, which is a riff on the Boulevardier, in which you swap out the dry for sweet, which is a riff on the original would be the Negroni, which is Campari, gin, and, um, and uh, sweet vermouth. So... I probably messed something up there. Normally I start with the, the uh, Negroni and then I'm like, this is what's in that and you swap out and this time it is going reverse order. Anyway, I'm guessing it's a Negroni adjacent cocktail was probably where I started when I created it. 
what goes into it. Guys, I hadn't made it in years, but as I said, I, I was doing everything different, and I was like, well, it's Thanksgiving and different, so let's do this. So it's a half an ounce of Campari, a half an ounce of Chinar, which is... It doesn't taste like artichokes, but it's an Amaro that is made from artichokes. It's one of my favorite Amaro. Uh, if there are two things that I will probably always have on my bar shelf, <laughs> along with Fernet Branca, <laughs> along with hopefully these days for the rest of my uh, of my my life, I don't know, my cocktailing time, I will always have the Amaro uh, Herbalista. It's way too expensive, but... A little goes a long way. That's not in the cocktail. I'm sorry. Let's get back to the cocktail. Half ounce of Campari, half an ounce of Chinar, one ounce of rye, two to three dash of Peixo bitters. And then originally it was just one teaspoon of, um, of Domin, uh, de, de Canton. Wait, is that, I just have like ginger liqueur, but in here, but, uh, what's the actual name of it hold on as remembering correctly Domaine de Canton uh but I also like after I made the cocktail on Thanksgiving this time I was like maybe just a little bit more of the ginger liqueur so maybe two teaspoons of ginger liqueur there's also one ounce of dry vermouth you stir it over ice you strain it into a like an old-fashioned cup you put one big ice cube in there and then you you get a hefty, big old swath of orange peel. This is where my pandemic person helped me out because I had put a little orange peel on there. And he was like, there needs to be like a glass like this, a cocktail like this. It needs like a generous uh, peel of orange on there. So, you know, you get a generous uh, slice of orange peel and you run it around the rim of the glass and you twist it to express the oils and then you toss it in. And that, my friends, is the big red cat. I don't know why I hadn't made this cocktail in years. It's a fucking delicious cocktail. And I think it actually kind of like, the ginger is like, kind of makes you think of like, I don't know, pumpkin pie spices, but the Campari adds a little bitter, which, you know, is nice against all those myriad, um, myriad flavors you could have at Thanksgiving dinner. I really, I was like, wow, I did a really good job when I created this cocktail. I probably went through a lot of, there's probably a lot of, because when I, I can't drink that much uh, hard alcohol, uh, there was probably a disturbing amount of, of alcohol, like cocktails that were discarded or just spat out um, in the creation of this. But, you know, it was probably worth it. I don't know. Okay, well, now that we're done with that, uh, should we get on with our game that is a game? The Who, What, When, Why, Wine? Let's. Your Who, Godfather, Biodynamic Wine. Your What um, is Dry Chenin Blanc. When, 81 or 82, we're not sure, really. Where, Coulet de Serrant, subregion of Samniere, subregion of Anjou Samur, subregion of Loire, which is in France, and it's monopole. Now, how about a why? <laughs> Basically, I was like, uh, for the monopole, you want to taste magic and you have a spare hundred bucks. I think the one I had was not um, Coulet de Serrant, but his wine still to be, they, they tend to be a little up there in price, but all I can tell you is they're just, they're ones that defy, you can try and describe everything you get. Like, I mean, you get all the classic Chenin Blanc notes. They're like the apple, the waxy, the honey. Um, 
but they're also, you know, they're ripping acid, they're ripping acid. But there's also something, especially because like these guys can like age a little bit. There's just something ethereal about them that I don't even, um, well, you know what? I haven't actually tasted one of his wines in many, many years. Uh, so maybe I think that when I did, I was when I was first getting really interested in wine. So maybe I'd taste one now and be able to put into words. But when I tasted it before, I was like, holy cow, this is magic. So you're wise, you want magic wine, and you, you got some spare ducats. Okay, before I reveal this, you know, if you feel like it, go on iTunes, rate, review, blah, blah, blah. Okay, a lot of you probably got this on the first clue, but this winemaker, this producer, is Nicolas Jolie. That's spelled N-I-C-O-L-A-S space J-O-L-Y. Who, as I said, he's known as the, the godfather of biodynamic wine. Now, apparently before he... So his family first bought the land or acquired the land, I want to say in the 50s, maybe early 60s. And I guess he stood to inherit it. But, you know, I, I think he was a rebel. He, he seems like he's rebellious in nature. Uh, apparently he first went to Columbia University and then he was working for an investment banker. So maybe that's what made him say, fuck this, I'm going back to the land. My family's land. Um, and he was the one who like really spearheaded, like, let's make this biodynamic. Um, and I <laughs> supposedly... Now, would it be cool to actually get one of his business cards? Yes, it would. Is that going to happen? Probably not. Um, but apparently on his business cards, he he doesn't have like, you know, most people would be like, this is my name. I'm a winemaker because he makes wine. But he instead apparently has Geron de la Society, um, nature assistant and not a winemaker. So he just assists nature. Like nature's like, here, have some pretty grapes. I'm making them like on the, these lovely schist soils. Nature's like, have some good grapes. And he's like, thank you, nature. May I assist you and ferment you? Because clearly nature wants to be fermented. And then he makes the wine. I don't know, guys. Um, wow, what, what an episode. We're not quite 40 minutes in, but... I feel like I should tell you more about Nicolas Jolie, but I think I gave you the essence of him and hopefully inspired you to like seek out some of his wines, and now I'm inspired to seek out more of his wines. Um, make the Big Red Cat, please. I, I gave you the measurements, you got them. Uh, riff on it if you want. Tell me how it went. If you find yourself with Manischewitz, add some Sprite. Uh, what else can I say? Uh, make whatever you want on Thanksgiving and Christmas for that matter. Make whatever you want and eat. Guys, right now is not the time to be worrying about convention. Right now is the time to be living your lives as the best we can, being the best people we can. And if that involves bucking tradition, so be it. So long as bucking tradition doesn't mean like, for Thanksgiving I'm going to give thanks by... I don't want to get into like the awful things a person could do. But um, yeah, I hope you're doing well. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I hope you have a good week. I'll be back next week with, uh, I have planned, for the next couple weeks, I have a couple of really cool women winemakers planned to turn you on to. So with that, dear babies, I say au revoir, au revoir. I can't speak French, apparently, anymore. Not that I ever was that good at it. Um, you know, go forth, live a good life, and cheers. Class!
I just drink This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.